Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Welcome home. I want to thank you for listening to this message. I pray you hear God speaking exactly what He needs you to hear in this moment. May this message inspire you to live a life of engaged love in Him. In knowing the names of God, we have a better understanding of who God is. And in knowing uh, better who God is, we are able to engage in a deeper relationship with Him. Because that's what this is all about, right? I mean, the whole of it, the songs, the singing, the dance, the coming into the church on Sabbath, or whenever you choose to come, that's what it's about. Relationship. Getting closer to God day by day. Growing through all the things that we have to go grow through. That's what it's about. And so by knowing his name better, we will get to know more. How do we know this? Well, when Moses had spent 40 days with God alone, 24 hours a day, over a month, he finally said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. I need to know who you are intimately. Tell me your name. And God said, no one will see me and live. Because God knew what he was asking. He wanted to see all of him. He said, but I'll show you what I can. And he took in all of God that he could. And when he left that place, you know what Moses was doing? Thank you. Jason, Jason, I knew Jason. My guy. He was glowing. God shone forth from him. And I want us, as we go through this thing, to be able to go in the community and say, what's up with that person? They're glowing. They must have spent time with God. First sermon we went over. We talked about, uh, well, let me ask you a little re- uh, lesson. Remember the first name of God in the Bible is? The first, Elohim. Elohim. I love the name Elohim so much, I said my last sermon a bunch of times, I meant to say Yahweh. Uh, people who are here, you know what I'm talking about. But Elohim, it's the powerful God. It's the God that is accessible to everybody. Okay? Every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every people. He is their God. Okay? The God who made the world and everyone in it. Elohim. He's the God who stepped into darkness and brokenness and emptiness. And by speaking words, he filled the emptiness. He shaped the brokenness. And he brought light into the darkness. And if he did that then, tell me he can't do it for you today. Second name of God. What was it? Thank you, sis. Yahweh. Yahweh. It is the most beautiful to me name of God. It is so precious to the Jews that they wouldn't even pronounce it. And we have, because they won't pronounce it, we've lost the true pronunciation over time. We say it Yahweh. Uh, some people pronounce it as Jehovah. But, but, but what it means, uh, they say when you properly pronounce it, the sound of breathing in and out. And the reason it's the sound of breathing in and out is because when we are introduced to Yahweh, Yahweh. It's when God formed us out of the mud in the ground and then breathed into us himself. And man became a living being and the glory of God shone from without him. 
filled with God. It is not the God for everybody. He is the God for me. He's personal and real and intimate. Tell me you've spent time with Yahweh this week, breathing in and out the relationship with God. Then we went, Miguel, Miguel, is he in here? Uh, he's back there. I tried to praise him in public because he gets a big head and just, you know, it's like, ah, uh, it's hard to control him already. But Miguel did such a great job last week, didn't he? You know, talking about, El you know, kind of admit that, like, agree so loudly, okay? So Miguel did such a great job last week, you can go like, yeah. But he, he did, he did. He did a great job bringing out El Shaddai. And introducing us to this uh, God who changes names. And we have Abram, who is the revered father, okay? He didn't have any kids, so he's just, you know, very wise, very vulnerable, uh, venerable, you know? But then God changes his name because he is all-powerful. So I'm going to take you from barren and people just look at you and respect you to someone who is the father of not just a nation, but of many nations, from Abram to Abraham. Abraham. Today, we continue the story of Abraham, and we start to look at this God. And he is a God who provides for us when we do not realize that he has provided for us. You ever been there? Calling out to God, God, I need, I need, I need. And God's like, you already got. You just have to access it. There's a story. And I apologize if it gets a little, um, you're like, that's not a sermon story. You shouldn't tell that story. But I think it's appropriate for this. A um, student goes in to see her professor. And she's all, professor, I'm getting a really bad grade in your class. He's like, I know. She's all like, professor. She looks around, she leans into him and says, I would do anything to get a good grade. He's all, really? Anything? She looks around again, she goes, anything? And he goes, anything? You should see your faces. You're like, where is he going with this? <laughs> he goes, anything? And she goes, anything. And he leans into her and says, study. See, oftentimes we try and do things and maneuver things so that we can get around what God has already given us. The ability he has already given us to achieve what he has called us to achieve. We okay? Okay, good. Today we find Jehovah Jireh in Genesis 22. Let's turn there and read it together. Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22. Father in heaven, we ask that as we come to your word, we realize we have come into your presence. In fact, not only have we just come into your presence, but we are in your presence because you have been with us this entire time. Those who have not realized it, Lord, I ask that right now, here and now in this place, as they deeply breathe in you, that you will let them know that you are here with them. Your presence is real. Lord, let us see your face more clearly. Let us understand you more fully through this message. I ask once again that you would speak through me as you speak to me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Now, a little background on Genesis 22. Abraham has finally, finally, finally gotten to the place where everything is going peachy. Before this, we know there's a lot of messed up stuff in his life. God had called him to go to a land that he did not know. He gets there, land of Canaan, and there's a famine going on. Now, instead of trusting in God that he would take care of the famine, he's all, let's go down to Egypt, because Egypt's got the Nile, and they can grow food. So we're going to go to Egypt to sustain themselves. God didn't call Abraham to Egypt. He called to Canaan. By the way, go where God calls you, not where you think you should be. Anyway, that's extra. Charge you for that. Second, he gets down to Egypt, and all the people are there, Wow, did you see this guy's, the woman he's with? She is gorgeous. Abraham's like, they're going to kill me so they can take you. Freaks out, and so he lies to them and says, no, 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 she's not my wife. She's my sister. Like, oh, okay. Pharaoh brings her. She's so beautiful. Pharaoh brings her into his home and says, I'm going to make you more of my wives. And God steps in and says, I'm about to kill you because you've taken another man's wife. And Pharaoh's like, What? I didn't know. Here, take her back. In fact, take a bunch of female servants and male servants and cattle and dodges. Take everything you need and get out. It is a precursor to when they leave Egypt later. But the problem is, one of those female servants Abraham takes with them, his name is Hagar. And Hagar is walking around one day and Sarah's like, listen, we don't got a kid. God said we should have a kid. Why don't you sleep with Hagar? And have a kid with her, and then that will be the promise of God. And Abraham, the great wise man he is, the, you know, father of nations, the venerable sage, when his wife says, hey, um, why don't you sleep with my maidservant and, you know, have a kid with her? Abraham goes, okay. Complete idiot. Like, like, there are like ten times of the Bible I like to go back and just smack somebody. That's one of them. That's in the top ten. Thinking. By the way, that little um, misstep has caused centuries-long divide in the Middle East because he sleeps with, Her- sleeps with Hagar as Ishmael. And all of Ishmael's descendants are the Arabs. And then God fulfills his promise, and he has Isaac. And all of Isaac's descendants are the Jews. And they've been fighting ever since. But... Um, Abraham has now sent Hagar and Ishmael away. Okay, it's just the little family. He makes treaties with the land around him that they're going to leave him alone. He's prosperous. He's protected. He's with his family. He's got everything he's ever wanted. Life is good. It's comfy. But God didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us to grow in him. As 22 comes along. Let's read it. Sometime later, this is sometime after he's all comfortable. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. By the way, this is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. And I find it's amazing that the word love, the first time it's used in conjunction with the sacrifice of the father of the son. This is, uh, again, God setting up what true love is. His love for us, but continuing on. And go to the region of Moriah. Go where? Moriah means hill country. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. 
He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up. On which day? Third day. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but every time you see three in the Bible, it's an indication that the entire Godhead is present in the story. On the third day, Abraham said to his servants, uh, stay here uh, while we go up to the mountain. We will worship there, and then we will come back to you here. We will worship there, and then we will come back to you here. See, Abraham is walking in faith. This is something I want to talk about today. He said, we're going to go up there, and we're both going to come back here. He didn't know how, but he had faith that it would happen. Continuing on, Abraham took the wood for the fire and the offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Isaac is probably in the mid-20s at this point. He carried the, the, with himself the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire is here and the wood is here, but where is the lamb for the offering? See, we can't worship without the lamb. Where is the lamb? Abraham answered and said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went up together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, two times. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything for him. Now that I know you fear the Lord, because you have not withheld your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, that mountain region, the place of hills, he called that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. And to this day, and to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Three things I want to talk about in this for the people who have been there. For the people who have uh, seen just when everything seems to be good and steady in your life, it falls apart. And you're walking the journey wondering, why God, how can you let this happen to me? Unsure of how you can even go on, this message is for you. Three things he provides in the story that I want to focus on. First, he provides the hills. He provides the hills. Second, he provides the journey. And finally, finally, he provides the temple. First, the hills. The hills are an illustration or a metaphor for struggle. You're going up and down and up and down. There are many hills. This is the land of Moriah. It's a place of hills, a place of struggle. Who is it that called Abraham to sacrifice his son? God. Now, you don't want to say that because it doesn't sound like God. It doesn't make any sense. Why would God call him to do this? But it was God who called him to do this. This thing that wrecks his entire life. 
Okay? But God had had a habit of putting Abraham in tough situations. He calls him to leave his home where everything is safe and secure and there's family and unity. And to go down to a land that's foreign to him. And then when he gets there, it's a land that famine has happened in. But God still called him to that. He called him to go down there in the time of famine. He calls him to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. To save Lot after Lot's been kidnapped along with Sodom and Gomorrah. He calls Abraham constantly to go into places where struggle is going to be evident. In fact, the greatest struggle in the world, he calls him to be a father of many nations. Say, I'm going to bring a great line through you. Ultimately, I'm going to bring Jesus Christ through your line. He calls us to a man who has no kids, who cannot have kids. God constantly called Abraham to confront the mountains and the hills in his life. Struggle. Do you know that God does that for us too? God calls us in times of our comfort to engage in struggle because he knows that in the struggle, we build relationship. In the struggle, we build faith. My question to you is, is your future in Christ endangered because that you, you don't trust that what he is asking you to struggle with, he will provide a way for you to overcome the struggle. You hear what I'm saying? Is your future in Christ in danger because you don't trust that he is Jehovah Jireh? Does fear get you to compromise your faith and weaken your walk in him? You know, sometimes God will ask you to sacrifice good things in order to get to godly things. Okay, sometimes he'll ask you to sacrifice peace in your life so that you can get to a deeper resolution of what he's called you to. Now, husbands and wives, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some times when you know that you need to engage in something a little deeper. I'm not talking about the color of the drapes. I'm not talking about which way the toilet paper goes. If you're wondering, it goes over. It's how God gave it to Adam and Eve on Mount Sinai. Okay, that's... that's as I don't pick it up with the word has interpreted by me. Um, I'm not talking about this stuff. I'm talking about real life stuff. Okay? Are we going to have worship with the kids? Are we going to make the kids go to church? Are we going to have worship? Are we going to take time to talk about the finances? Are we going to get into this? And sometimes, sometimes, one of the spouses will know if I just get angry enough or bitter enough. Then I can get what I want. And so they don't say anything. The other spouse won't say anything. They, they, they want peace. And so I just, I'm just going to let it go and let peace happen. But sometimes when it matters, when it matters, you have to sacrifice peace in order to get to resolution. In order to go through the fight, go through the struggle, go through the argument. Oh, pastor, I hate that. It's so icky. I know. But in doing so, you break down walls. Okay, again, talking about fighting the right way and God and Christ, not throwing frying pans at each other's heads and, you know. But sometimes you have to sacrifice peace to get to resolution. Sometimes you have to sacrifice prosperity to get to relationship. Ask anyone who spent their life working 40 hours a week and ended up on top of the financial hill but without a wife without his kids talking to him because he never built relationship with them. Ask him if he wouldn't have rather sacrificed prosperity in order to make sure he had relationship with his kids. Sometimes you have to sacrifice relationship 
to get to a deeper faith, to get to a deeper witness. I remember when my, uh, I've told this story before, but like when I was a kid, I was, you know, stupid, like most kids are. And uh, one day my dad in the morning, he had uh, gotten down on me about something. You know, I had never done anything wrong. I was a perfect child. My dad was just, you know, why are you laughing? It's not the joke part. Okay, it was, you know, it was a perfect child. And, you know, for whatever reason, he got down on me. He was in a bad mood, didn't have his Cheerios that morning. And then later on in the day, he comes to me and throws his arm around me and says, Hey, buddy, how you doing? You know, you want to go out and do this thing? And I'm all like, hey, man. Okay, because I was, you know, a teen. That's cool. Hey, man, you can either be my father or you can be my friend. But you can't be both. Now, it's by the grace of God that I stand before you today actually alive and speaking to you. Those of you who know my father, you know what I mean. But the Spirit of God came over him. And he said, well then, Tim, I choose to be your father. I like to be both. But if you're making me choose, I will be your father. Because that's what God has called me to be. Never forgot that exchange with us. He would uh, talk with me, read, scold, like two hours straight. Like that, that was a general uh, talk with dad. It would be like two hours. I can't remember a word he said. But I will never forget that. God's called me to do this thing. So I'm going to have to sacrifice our relationship. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing not to be your I'm willing to have you hate me and despise me. So that God's will will be done in your life. If I got to be the villain in your story, that's fine. Today he and I are closer than two people could be. Okay? Talk to him all the time. Whenever I have a problem, I, you know, he's the first person I go to. I always tell people if I were twice the man I am today, I wouldn't be half the man he's been on his best day. Okay? I love that man. But the reason I have so much respect for him is because he made a choice to sacrifice relationship in order that my faith might grow. We have too many people today unwilling to sacrifice what God has called them to. And so they lose out because they're afraid of the struggle. I had this illustration I wanted to tell. I, um, whenever we have a work bee, I bring these. These are my, my work bee gloves. And every time I bring them, can you see John? Is John in here? I don't see him. He has this disgusted look on his face, a look that is uh, both pity and like, oh, pastor, please. We're, we're just moving like, like grass from one area. You don't need your gloves. But these gloves are important. They're powerful, okay? They protect me from getting splinters and, you know, scratches on my hands. I can pick up the, I can do a lot with these things. But here's the thing I've noticed. When I'm trying to get into my phone, I can't do it. You know, a lot of times, you know, the wife will call and I work, and I'll go pull out the phone and I'll be like, missing out on the opportunity to talk to the love of my life. It won't do, look, look, won't do anything. Why? I was going to have the kids come up and do this whole thing where the kids tell me what to do. And they'd be like, you had to take off the glass. I want the glass. But, you know, they're playing in the corner, so they can't do that. See, these things that are, like, you know, good for what they're good for, keeping my hands safe and, you know, nice and soft and, you know, like, like man's hands should be. They keep me from accessing great instruments of power. 
They keep me from accessing the things that are right literally at my fingertips. What do I have to do in order to access everything that this phone can do? Thank you. I have to take it off. Now that means my fingers might get a little damaged, might chip a nail on my screen protector. But in order to access the power that God has for you, sometimes you have to take off the protection you put on yourself and be willing to go there. That makes sense? It's called struggle. And sometimes it's a good thing. Don't waste your opportunity to grow in Him by submitting to your fears. These fears may have a stranglehold on you. But God has promised you that he is with you. He will bring you through it. In fact, my God has a history of providing obstacles to show people that he can bring them through. He provided the army and the Dead Sea before he provided the fire and the dry land. He provided the giant before he provided the stones to take care of the giant. And he provided the whale before he provide the shore on which Jonah could continue his journey. He provides both, and he does it so that we can grow in him. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Our light and momentary troubles, okay, aren't unnecessary, aren't something that we're going to look back on. They say the, the light and momentary troubles, our struggles, are achieving for us. They're doing something for us. The struggles are necessary to achieve for us eternal glory that outweighs all the struggles. If you're ready to let God let you struggle, let me hear you say, I'm ready, Lord. All right, a few of you. The rest of you will get there. Next, he provides the journey. He provides the journey. This is, this is all I find crazy about the story. God had told Abraham just a few chapters before when he told him to, uh, that he could send away Ishmael and God would take care of Ishmael. He said, but the, the promise I gave you, the promise I gave you about a nation of people, okay, the promise I gave you about the birthright that I gave to Adam and Eve, uh, Jesus, that promise is coming through Isaac. He had told that to Abraham a few chapters earlier. Now he is telling Abraham to sacrifice his son. And Abraham is stood standing there saying, I don't know what to do. Okay? God said that he would bring the promise through Isaac, but God also said, I had to do this thing. And it doesn't make sense to me. You ever been there? Lord, the thing you promised me doesn't seem to make sense to me. You promised me uh, that you would take care of me, and now they're asking me to work on Saturday, and, 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 and you're saying I shouldn't work on Saturday because that's your holy day. It doesn't make sense to me. You, you promised me that, that you would uh, fill my life with relationship, that, that I would find somebody right for me. But yet the only person that has any interest in me right now doesn't care about you. Maybe I can make them. But you said don't be unequally yoked. I don't know how to, the promises that you've given me and still follow the word that you've given me. You've been there? Are you in the midst of that struggle? Trying to trust God but holding off what he has asked you to do because the journey seems too great? 
Here's how you answer that question of what you do. You move forward in obedience. Too many Christians are sitting on the sidelines saying, well, Lord, if you want something to happen, you make it happen when God has already called them to do the thing he wants them to do. He's already called them to keep the Sabbath. He's already called them to have purity in their relationships. He's already called them to do the thing that they're hemming and hawing about. You may not know how you're going to be able to get the promise that God had for you, that you've seen it, and walk the path that God has called you. Walk the path, and the promise will come to fruition. But you will never see the promises fully realized in your life if you're unwilling to walk the path. Somebody say, walk the path. If you give to God, he can bless and give it back to us. But here's the thing. God cannot bless what we refuse to sacrifice. He can't do it. Because they can only be blessed if they're his. If they're his kids. If it's his job. If it's his life. But once we give it to him, we find out that he is indeed Jehovah Jireh. Philippians 4.19 promises this. And my God will meet all, how many? Most? Some? The majority of. All your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The cross was enough to fulfill it. Somebody say it. All. All. A tragic story about a man and his uh, flight instructor who uh, they're going to go on a night flight, okay? And the flight instructor was a little um, wrong. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. It was wrong because he let the man go by himself. He said, this will be your first solo flight. A storm rolls in, okay? And flight instructor is talking to him over the radio. Guy can't see anything. He takes off, but all of a sudden, the storm is flipping the plane back and forth, and he's struggling the whole way. Hey, yeah, Brinson does this. Brinson's the flight instructor. Um, this isn't Brinson, though. Brinson didn't do this. So the flight instructor is like, yelling. he says, you have to trust your instruments. You have to trust your instruments. So the man's looking at his instruments, and the instruments tell him that he's upside down. But he's like, that's impossible. I can't be flying upside down. I feel right side up. I feel like I'm fine. He's all, you have to pull up. Um, you know, uh, uh, go, go down. You're, you're flying too high. He says, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he says, he looks at the instruments, but his feelings are telling him, he says, listen, this just doesn't feel right. Instructor continues to beg with him, trust the instruments, stay on course, stay on course. But the man instead decides to trust his feelings and he pulls back on the stick because he wants to get above the storm. What he didn't realize is he was indeed flying upside down. As he pulled up on the stick, the plane went He lost his life, not because he was trying to do anything wrong, but because when it came to trusting his feelings or trusting the instruments, trusting the word of the instructor, he chose instead to trust his feelings. Brothers and sisters, God has provided a journey for us to go on. And it can be scary at times. It can make us feel all turned upside down. But I promise you, if you just trust the word, 
He will get you where you need to go. You won't see how, but he already knows. Jehovah Jireh, trust your God. Finally, he provides the temple. He provides the temple. I think it's crazy. Isaac is going up with Abraham. And he heard his dad say, we are going to go up there. We're going to sacrifice. And then we're going to come back down. They get the wood. They have the wood. Isaac's carrying the wood. Abraham has the knife and the fire, the implements of destruction. And as they're going up, Isaac asks him the bone-chilling question, Dad, yo, where's the lamb? Okay, because the fire, the knife, the wood, all of it are all there for the lamb. The lamb is centric. The lamb is, is how we worship. Where's the, we don't have the thing to worship with. How are we going to worship without the lamb? And Abraham musters up all the faith he can and says, the Lord himself will provide it. And I'll guarantee you this, the entire journey up that mountain. Abraham is looking and looking. Every rock, every nook, every bush. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? I know, I know you're going to get me out. I know somehow it's going to happen. You're going to heal this thing. You're going to get me that job. I know you're going to do it. They get to the top and there's no lamb. They collect the stones. No lamb. They place the wood on the fire. He's looking everywhere. No lamb. Finally, he lets Isaac know, God has called me to make you the lamb. Isaac, in faith, lets his father bind him and put him on the altar. He raises the knife, and just as he's about to bring it down, he hears the voice of God cry out. Now, how many times had, um, how many days did it take for them to get to the mountain? You guys remember? Three days. And we said three represented what? The Godhead. The Godhead invested in Abraham, invested in Isaac, invested in this journey. Okay? Now, God calls out to Abraham. Do you remember how many times he calls out? Abraham. Abraham. If all of God is invested in the journey, where's the third Abraham? You got the father crawling out Abraham. You got the spirit crying out Abraham. Where's the third Abraham calling him to stop? The third Abraham was in, or the third God was in the bush. You see, it was Jesus Christ represented in that lamb. Abraham, Abraham, stop, because Abraham, I am going to provide for you. See, God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It wasn't even for God. Okay, a lot of people get mixed up and say, God needed to see if Abraham was loyal. No, God knows everything. The sacrifice is for Abraham, so Abraham would know. Abraham could walk the rest of his life in confidence with his relationship with God. By the way, by the way, for those of you who think, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. You should never put anything above your kids. If you put your kids above God, you will lose both. Period. Period. 
But Abraham now stands there, and the third member of the Godhead is there. He quickly gets the ram. He sacrifices it, and they worship together. He didn't know how he was going to worship, but he went anyway. Have you been there? Have you been in that place in your life? You don't know how you're going to worship, okay? You know that you're supposed to live your life in worship to God. You're going to come into the church and they're going to sing these songs, but you just don't feel it. I don't feel the lamb. I don't have it. I don't have what I need to worship today. I feel empty. I feel anxiety. I feel fear. Anger. I still have it. You may not have it in you, in your doings, but I got good news for you. You ready for some good news? Somebody say good news. The good news is you don't have to have it because he already does and he put it in you. So once again, your feelings don't matter. You have all you need to worship because of what the lamb did in the sacrifice. Because of the cross. says he provides the temple. What does that have to do with the hills? Well, the hills country, that mountain country was called Moriah, which you said meant hills. That day they changed the name of the mountain country, the, the, the country of struggles. They changed it to Jehovah Jireh. And it says, till this day, the people say, on this mountain, God will provide. Till this day, we can worship on this mountain. Okay, do you know what they did with that mountaintop? Well, when David was looking for a place to build the temple, the place of worship, he chose that mountaintop, or rather God led him to it. So they built the first and the second temple there. And you know what was also on that mountaintop? Because it was a large area. Most scholars agree that the cross of Christ, the temple was on one side and the cross of Christ was on the other. The place that had been a place of struggle became a place of providence and a place of worship because of the cross. All of them there. I want you to know something today. You don't have to find the mountaintop to find God. Okay? We've talked about before. He's in this place. Your life may be filled with struggles. You may say, listen, my life is Moriah. Okay? It's full of hills and valleys. Struggles and struggles and struggles. But I got good news for you. Jehovah Jireh is in that place. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Jireh is in this place. He's in you, in your struggles, in your goings out and your comings too. Jehovah Jireh has provided all you need. Abraham didn't see the lamb until he acted in obedience. But the lamb was there. He looked everywhere for this ram. How am I going to provide the sacrifice? It had already been provided. He just had to get to a place where he could see it here. Are you there? Are you ready to let God show you how he's provided for you? Are you ready to let your place, your home, your office, your community, your marriage, your life become Jehovah Jireh? The place of provision. If you are, let me hear you say Jehovah. Let me hear you say Jireh. And like Abraham, the place of your greatest fear and the place of your greatest anxiety can become the place of your greatest praise. I'm going to end on this text. 
talking about how we should praise the Lord. Psalms 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise him in the sanctuary. Can I get an amen? amen? Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his per surpassing greatness. If you found God to be great in your life, let me hear you say hallelujah. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and the dancing. Somebody say dancing. Praise him with the string and the flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the drums. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Our Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides more than enough, the one who dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, the one who watches over the sparrows, but the one who loves you, the one who loves me more than these. You are so worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our thanksgiving. We come to you to worship you with all that we are, with all our might, with all our mind, and with all our hearts. We worship you in complete surrender because of what you have done for us. Your goodness and your mercy and your grace will be forever poured upon us. So this Sabbath, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. All blessings flow from you. I thank you for letting us praise you, not just with our mouths, but with our whole bodies. I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for being a God who provides everything we need from trials to answers. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Guide us, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.